translation. The spiritual world, which consists of three-fourths of the Lord's energy, is situated beyond this material world, and it's especially meant for those who will never be reborn. Others who are attached to family life and who do not strictly follow celibacy, vows, must live within the three material worlds. Purport. The climax of the system of Varnashram Dharma or Sanatana Dharma is clearly expressed here in this particular verse of Srimad Bhagavatam. The highest benefit that can be awarded to a human being is to train him to be detached from sex life, particularly because it's only due to sex indulgence that the conditioned life of material existence continues birth after birth. Human civilization, in which there is no control of sex life, is a fourth-class civilization because in such an atmosphere there's no liberation of the soul encaged in the material body. Birth, death, old age and disease are related to the material body and they have nothing to do with the spirit soul. But as long as the bodily attachment for sensual enjoyment is encouraged, the individual spirit soul is forced to continue the repetition of birth and death and account uh, of the material body on account of the material body, which is compared to garments subjected to the laws, the law of deterioration, deterioration, sorry. Um, Purport continues. Um, I'll just comment on parts and keep on reading. And uh, so, yes, um, Metunya Agra, uh, the the chains of sex life that bind us in the material world. <coughs> the Srimad Bhagavatam uh, addresses how men and women unite. Pum sastriya mituni bhavam etam ridaya grantim aho griyaksetra sutta aptar and it is explained how um, when there is sexual intercourse or union, that then the result is then uh, then there is a house, then there is some, some land, then there are children, then there is money, then there our social obligations and all these things arise. And uh, and so one becomes deeply anchored in the in the bodily concept of life. Janashimohoyam Aham Mameti. So uh, all right. Um, the Briyad Bhagavatam Rita is also interesting because in the Briyad Bhagavatam Rita there is a, a detailed description of the planetary systems, even a little more than in Srimad Bhagavatam, um, especially the higher planetary systems. Um, we have, of course, the, the heavenly planets, the middle planets where we are residing, and lower planets, and then hellish planets, and then we have above the heavenly planets the Jana Mahar and Tapa Loka, and then Brahma Loka. So there's more described about the Jana Mahar Tapa Loka. It is said that those who are engaged with sex life or sense enjoyment will take their birth in, in one of the three worlds, up to Swark. In Swark, those who are in the mode of goodness and who will enjoy sexual activities according to religious principles, they will uh, take their birth in the heavenly planets and enjoy there. Those who are governed by the mode of passion and who are inclined to not follow the rules, but then some may follow the rules anyway as an afterthought, but not as a first inclination, are those who take birth in the middle planetary systems such as earth, that's us. So basically, not inclined, first, first, first impulse is, oh, I want to be free, no rules. Then it's like, well, but maybe I should, maybe 
after all, uh, adhere to something. So that, that immediately uh, identifies our internal struggle, that our, our fundamental battle is, is outlined for us right there. Then there's lower regions where sex life predominates everything and one is becoming uh, deeply uh, controlled and tangled and uh, subsequently reactions come and then there's Halley's planets where one is rectified for sinful behavior and uh, where one sees as, as descriptions of reactions for illicit sex where one has to embrace a red-hot form of the, of, of the uh, opposite sex and all that sort of uh, stuff. Um, I'm not going there today. Uh, but I think these Janamahar Tapa Lokas and Brahma Lokas are interesting. Uh, it says that in the Jana Loka, that is the abode of the Prajapatis, the Prajapatis who are basically there to populate the universe. So these Prajapatis are personalities that are performing um, very serious austerity and worship of the Lord. Their whole life is about purification. They are performing austerity and worship the Lord, and, and then they try uh, to procreate, but only then. Right? So it's very much the Dharma is, is just very much in the front. But of course there is an enjoying propensity. When we go still higher, then there are uh, on the, the Jana Loka, the next, the, the Mahar Jana. So the Jana Loka there are sages, uh, sages, uh, these sages, though, they are married. They have a concert, right? But they are always absorbed in transcendence. Then one level higher is the Tapaloka. And here, we, this is the abode of the brahmacharis. And they are basically meditating on the, on the Supreme Lord. That is, they are detached from the body and they're always absorbed in in meditating on the Supreme Lord, it is described that Sanat Kumar, one of the four Kumaras, who is a Shakti Avesh avatar, he is the inspiration there. And said Sanat Kumar is residing both in the spiritual and the material world as a Shakti Avesh. And every once in a while he descends on the, on the planet and everyone becomes enlivened. The Brahma, Brahma Loka is the place for the sannyasis. Right. They reside in Brahma Loka. Now, we're talking for an ashram. We're not talking Vaishna, uh, pure Vaishnavas who are also in Varnashram. Because pure Vaishnavas, as we know, are going back to Godhead regardless of the ashram if they are strictly following the, the prescribed duties of their ashram and engage in devotional service then. then by the mercy of Lord Chaitanya, they also can be saved. <laughs> there is hope. <laughs> um, Asabanda, hope against hope. <laughs> yes. So, but the point is, the Briyad Bhagavatamrita is then giving us an, a basic description of um, various levels of existen existence according to one's involvement with sexuality. Uh, that's why I thought it was relevant to this particular section here. And we see that the less we are involved, um, the higher our position is in the universe. And if we become involved uh, in a dharmic way, then heavenly planets. If we become involved in a passionate way, then the middle planetary systems. If we become involved in a perverted way than the lower planetary systems and finally the hellish planets and so on. So, interesting. Um, our objective is clearly uh, not sex life. Our objective <coughs> is going back 
back to the spiritual world. Um, it is said that this material world is the Ekapat Vibhuti and the spiritual world, the Tripat Vibhuti, or there is the three three-fourths of the energy of the Lord is described as the spiritual world. Now, it's a little bewildering statement in a sense because uh, we, th- we thought that the material, uh, the material is limited, right? But Yamuna Acharya says that the spiritual realm is not limited by time, space, or thought. So how to, how to then look at it as three-quarters, I, I couldn't answer that question. I just uh, asked myself that question. It's a puzzling point. How can the that which is not limited by time, space, and thought be expressed as three quarters? Uh, I have a mathematical problem there. I need, I need uh, what to do, you know. Uh, so I leave that. I leave that. And, and I don't think that we're going to answer it. I think even if the scholars bend over this, I think it's just one of those puzzling questions that is meant to to stay a question. Um, Until we reach there, I think then it will be resolved. But as it is. Um, So that is there. Anyway, um, ultimately it's not about numbers anyway. Um, We just are seeing that uh, when we see the three quarters and the one quarters, at least we can appreciate that the spiritual realm is by far greater. Then we hear also that only 10% of the jivas are in the material world and the other 90% of the jivas are in the spiritual realm. Right? Now, okay, again, numbers. Yeah, Because we thought there were unlimited living beings. When I read about Krishna going in the Krishna book and going with his cowherd boys and cowherd friends into the forest, then it says that Krishna has unlimited cowherd boys associate. Again, unlimited, you know. So we're doing math this morning, as you can see. And it's unlimited. Uh, And then each of these unlimited cowherd boys have unlimited calves. So how that all fits on the narrow forest path of Vrindavan, don't ask me. Again, you know, mathematics really cause a lot of trouble today because the measurement of the path is obviously, what is it, you know? A typical forest path, right? And it's like ocean of cows, (laughs) more cows than trees. Then again, there may also be unlimited desire trees. Uh, Now, so when you go into these things, it can be mind-blowing. Now, there is a description of the house of Nanda Maharaj and that in, in Gokul. And it's interesting because it is uh, described how there is uh, a big... Uh, there's a property which has walls on four sides. And then there's a courtyard. And it says that Nanda Maharaj, he has his quarters on the northern side of the of the boundary wall. So he lives in boundary wall quarters. So the quarters are all along the boundary wall. And then in the middle, there is like a, a, a palace. And this is a palace for pleasure pastimes. Now, the thing about this palace is, is as you're going in, there's unlimited doors to open and more and more quarters. And, you know, no architect could figure it out how all these rooms could fit within the boundaries of that palace. If we measure the uh, the limits again, you know, we're measuring today, as I say, then mathematically it doesn't add up. Yeah? So, yes, we're stuck in the mathematics this morning, as you can see. And, and looking... But that is the nature of spirit. Spirit is unlimited. We may recall the story that Srila Prabhupada told about a student, a student who was poor. The, the teacher was asking all the students to bring something for a festival. And everyone is supposed to bring some ingredient, and everyone had to commit to something. So one said, yes, I'll bring rice. Another said, I'll bring ghee. I'll bring spices. The poor boy also had to say something. I'll bring yogurt. 
So, you know, he came home and he told his mother, his mother said, how could you say that? You know, I mean, we have no money. How are we going to get this yogurt? You know, it's like, well, I had to promise something, you know, it's like, somehow, you know, there's nothing I can do for you. I mean, I don't have it. I mean, you go pray to Krishna, you know. <laughs> so mom sent him to Krishna and he prayed to the Lord. And Krishna said, don't worry, I will supply, I will arrange. So on the day, you know, he went to Krishna, and sure enough, Krishna supplied a pot of yogurt. So he went with a pot of yogurt to the to the the school, and it was the function. And go like, is this it? The teacher says, "What is this? This is the yogurt you're bringing. One little pot." You know, teacher got so upset he spilled some. His hands was shaking, and as some of the yogurt fell out, the pot was still full. Uh-huh. <laughs> then the teacher understood. Ah, it is spiritual. <laughs> it is spiritual. So in this, so in this way, uh, in this way, as the story goes, so spiritual is unlimited. Um, yes. All right. Let us read. And so we now spoke about mathematics. And also about sex life and, and, uh, and how it places us somewhere in the universe, according to the way we get involved. Uh, we're carrying on and we're going towards Varna Ashram. In order to award the highest benefit of human life, the Varna Ashram system trains the followers to adopt the vow of celibacy, beginning from the order of Brahmachari. One second, it's hard to read like that. The brahmachari life is for students who are educated to follow strictly the vow of celibacies. Youngsters who have had no taste of sex life can easily follow the vow of celibacy. And once fixed in the principle of such a life, one can very easily continue to the highest perfectional stage, attaining the kingdom of the three-fourth energy of the Lord. It is already explained that in the cosmos of three-fourth energy of the Lord, there's neither death nor fear, and one is full of the blissful life of happiness and knowledge. A householder attached to family life can easily give up such a life of sex indulgence if he's been trained in the principles of the life of a brahmachari. A householder is recommended to quit home at the end of 50 years, and live a life in the forest. Then, being fully detached from family affection, he may accept the order of renunciation as a sannyasi, fully engaged in the service of the Lord. Any form of religious principles in which the followers are trained to pursue the vow of celibacy is good for the human being because only those who are trained in that way can end the miserable life of material existence. The principles of nirvana, as recommended by Lord Buddha, are also meant for ending the miserable life of material existence. And this process, in the highest degree, is recommended here in the Srimad Bhagavatam with clear perception of ideal perfection. Although, basically, there's no difference between the process of Buddhist, Sankarites, and Vaisnavas for promotion to the highest status of perfection, namely freedom from birth, death, anxiety, and fearfulness. Not, not one of those, these processes allows the follower to break the vow of celibacy. Yeah, uh, and the purport continues. So, um, Varnashram and, 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 and celibacy as being part of, of Varnashram. Uh, so, um, celibacy is, is, the, is the central theme, as we can see. As sex life is the central theme in this world, uh, celibacy is the central theme in, in Varnashram. And uh, besides cultivating, uh, cultivating attachment to the Supreme Personality of Godhead, and, and particularly in, within Varnashram, based on knowledge. Uh, because the Brahminical culture is studying scripture and is 
disseminating that scripture into society at large. They are speaking, they are guiding society in this way. Knowledge is the foundation of the Varnashram society. When that Varnashram society becomes Samsidir Haritosanam, when we add the dimension of pleasing the Lord, then it's no longer just knowledge. Then bhakti gets involved, and bhakti includes love, bhajdhatu, uh, worship, love, and service are the three foundational elements in the in the baj datu in the root word baj, which is the root word of bhakti. So, in this way, we appreciate how um, how celibacy is our foundation. Um, now, uh, we can see that. For those, um, for those who have already lived a material life, and then suddenly Varna Ashram uh, is introduced uh, a little late, right after twenty or twenty-five years, uh, then it becomes a little bit of a tight fit. It becomes a little bit uh, difficult to make the change. So there, there, there will be struggles. It's to be expected. Yeah. Those who grow up within a Vedic culture, so they grow up with, uh, with a training, they grow up with an etiquette, they grow up in a culture that supports celibacy and that limits the mixing of the sexes. But yeah, in, in the modern world, that's complicated, right? Because the modern world is is not uh, centered around Varna Ashram. And even if we uh, bring Varna Ashram into the modern world, we get Varna Ashram with a modern flavor. Right? You know, Varna Ashram with a little bit of chocolate sauce on top, if you know what I mean. It's, it's sort of uh, not exactly and uh, what the traditional one is. And, uh, and although celibacy may be there, um, we don't have the exact culture, yes. We may not have the, uh, you know, the distances between the sexes and, and everything that's there in a traditional Varnashram culture. Anyway, Srila Prabhupada uh, suggested it could take a few generations before these things culturally will settle in, you know, before we would fully... Uh, Absorbed that. Meanwhile, Srila Prabhupada also spoke about the Vedic Varna Ashram culture versus the Sankatan movement. And he compared the uh, Vedic society to a uh, society um, with very refined principles. And then used the image of a uh, of, of a goldsmith who is uh, shaping an, an ornament. So with a tiny hammer, it's a, like very precise work, he's making this ornament. Um, so it is about very refined movements. So in this model, uh, the Vedic culture, everything is important. Uh, what direction you face for a particular activity what day are you shaving your, your, your hair? Right? What direction are you sleeping? And so on. Uh, there's a direction to face when sleeping. There's a direction to face while, while bathing. There is a direction to, to face while learning, there is a direction to face while, while we die. Everything is prescribed. Uh, there's a way, uh, like, like there's a description how Hanuman met Lord Ramachandra for the first time. And Hanuman was disguised at the time. He was, uh, Hanuman had enough mystic power that he was able to take another form. So Hanuman took a human form and uh, he appeared before the princes who were banned and in the forest and so on. So then they met. And Hanuman inquired, uh, 
Hanuman first introduced himself and he explained that he was the minister of Sugriva, that who was the king of a particular area there. And the way Hanuman spoke, uh, not only was the choice of words very appropriate, correct, and exactly according to Vedic injunction, even the tone, not too high, not too low, the, the, he found the right tone as well. So there was a certain tone. It's quite uh, intricate uh, how you're supposed to address. Then, then, uh, Laxman spoke and said, this is, you know, Lord Ramachandra, he is the Yuvaraj, he is the crown prince in the Ragu dynasty. And then he introduced himself, and I am his servant. He never said, I'm his brother, so I share in the glories. So it's a nice passage in the Ramayana. And it, it just shows again how intricate Vedic culture is, you know, the right tone. I mean, he'd be practicing for hours, you know, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> if you're not musical, it may be difficult. <laughs> A lot of training required to get it right. Uh, um, would be, it's a little difficult for us to relate because we, if, when we get encapsulated in, in a culture with too many rules, we start to feel uh, suffocated, constipated. We start to feel like, but I need to express myself, right? I need, to, I need to, you know, I need to be me. Uh, this this is very strong in the age of Kali. Right? <laughs> this this need is very strong. Of course, unfortunately, when we when we start expressing ourselves, then you know usually. Uh, it's like, yes, it's the chain of sex life, just like the train of thought, right? The, the metaphor of the train of thought is the image of one thought leads to another thought, leads to another thought, leads to another thought, leads to another thought. Uh, like, you know, you can be a brahmachari and walk into a park and then park. Oh, I used to sit with my girlfriend in the park. Right? Memory comes back. Ah, yes, sit on the bench, talking, 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 talking. So the train of thought takes us from one thought to the next. And the, the last coach in the train is always sex life. That's where it goes then. Yeah, so when we start expressing ourselves, then we can see where the train of thought's going to take us. Don't go down that rails, you know, and I'm going to go on that train and going down that track. No, <laughs> don't go there. Uh, uh, yes. So the Varna Ashram was a refined system of many rules and regulations, external, and it required a lot of piety to follow that. Since we don't have so much piety, uh, Vedic culture is difficult for us. It feels, if, if you read the Manu Samhita and everything's in there, you go, Phew, you know, this is uh, full on. Uh, yeah. So, pious souls can do so. Most of us are not pious, so then what? Then there's the Sankatan movement. And the Sankatan movement is now compared to the hammer of a blacksmith. And in one blow, boff, right? It has shaped the, the thing. So this is our system, right? Not so refined, but simply, you know... I mean, when we get into these things in India, sometimes, you know, you get these discussions on a fast day, how to break the fast, right? I mean, now, okay, first of all, are we going to eat grains or no grains? Is it anakalpa? Are we breaking the fast with what we call a kadasi? It's technically called anakalpa, no grains. Say, so, okay, yes, yes, yes. Okay, no, definitely anakalpa. Ah, 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 definitely, yes, but, 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 but. Not just any no grains. No, 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 no. 
only papaya. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And, you know, certain vegetables are acceptable. Ah, not just anything. Ah, no. So then you have different groups, you know, like in, in the big projects in India, we have on, on a such a fast day, we have the liberals, then we have the, the more strict ones who go for anakalpa, and then you have the ultra strict ones, right, who are breaking it only with certain, certain items, like for example, you know, milk mixed with water, and only one third of milk. Aha, yes, yes, yes. Little black pepper. Oh, yes, 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 yes. yes. Little. Uh-huh. And so there's different rooms. Yes, where the f- <laughs> there's different rooms where the fast is broken in a different way. And some people in those rooms are really like, you know, it's like, you know, everybody in the other room is totally bogus. <laughs> uh, but most of us, you know, like, uh, well, a courtesy, you know, okay. Uh, no brains, and, I mean, no grains and beans, right? <laughs> no brains and greens. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, uh, uh, sorry, uh, get dyslexic sometimes. Grains and beans, yes. Um, no grains and beans. Um, on a courtesy, yes. So uh, that's about it. No problem about French fries and tomato, <laughs> tomato chutney and all the other things. Right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, and then Hari Bhakti Vilas is interesting because it says if you eat on Ekadasi, yeah. Did you ever eat on Ekadasi? You did, huh? Did you read Hari Bhakti Vilas? <laughs> Lucky you. <laughs> Ignorance is bliss, isn't it? <laughs> if you read it, you may find that it says that those who eat on a courtesy next life, you're going to be a hog. Round, <laughs> round nose and curly tail. So, what to do about that? Oh, what about those French fries and the, uh, you know, and the dip sauce? Hey, whew, yeah. And then, if you ever put out a ghee lamp, right? Hari Bhakti Vilas, if by any chance, did you ever put out a ghee lamp? You did, huh? Oh, <laughs> then you're going to be blind in your next life. So, basically, a blind hog. <laughs> Yeah, so it's interesting. <laughs> it's it's fun to read those things, I must say. It's entertaining. Um, yeah, but if you read it more serious, then you wonder, right? I mean, what about all that? Then we can see the mercy of Lord Chaitanya and how the mercy of Lord Chaitanya uh, extends. Now, I have an image. Here is a mountain the mountain of Vedic injunctions, of rules and regulations. And then standing there at the base of this mountain comes the ocean of mercy of Lord Chaitanya. And that ocean of mercy is meeting there, the mountain, there's a beach, of course, at the bottom, it has to be. So it's a nice scene. There's a mountain, there's a beach, and there's the ocean coming on the beach. Now, I grew up on the beach, you know, I'm from the Netherlands beach, and uh, the waves that are coming onto the shore, they make a line, the water line, right, is there. And sometimes there is a big wave, and then the water line, you know, of that wave is showing far on the beach. So, in this image... The ocean is the mercy of Lord Chaitanya, which meets the rules and regulations of the Vedas. And then, on top of that ocean of Lord Chaitanya, there is a very big wave, and that's the wave of Prabhupada's mercy. And that washes on that shore and makes a an extended line even further than the mercy of Lord Chaitanya ever showed before. So... 
You may not be a hawk after all. <laughs> and not blind. Whew. This is an intense class, if you think about it. I, I'm, I'm presenting in an entertaining way, but basically celibacy early in the morning, which, uh, you know, is not so easy to digest. And then on top of that, uh, other rules and regulations. So anyway, if we have to approach celibacy to Varna Ashram only, it may become very hard for us due to our impiety and our inability to just adhere to any rules and regulations. We just don't want it. Yes. And that's the difference between the demigod and the human being. And then there's the Sankatan movement. So the Sankatan movement, yes, the image of the sledgehammer, that is nice, but uh, more so we understand the Sankatan movement is... It's giving us a taste. It gives us a unique taste, an enthusiasm, an incredible kirtan, an incredible feast. Uh, it, it gives us all these tastes, and it's these tastes that are the source of our strengths. Then we can deal with celibacy. So, in this way, the Sankhita movement is, is dealing with celibacy. So we are living a life of on two tracks, the Pancharatrik Vidi and the Bhagavad Vidi. The Bhagavad Vidi is that path of glorification, that path of Kirtan, that path, the Bhagavad Kirtan, the constant glorification of the Supreme Personality of Godhead in various ways, either by chanting his names or by discussing about him. And the Pancharatik, which is giving us the external rules and codes of behavior that are favorable for cultivating bhakti, but that are rooted within Vedic culture and include Varna Ashram, but now connected in service to the Lord. So here we are, we have a, a foot in Varna Ashram, and we have ashram codes that we're living with, and we're trying to embrace them. But the uh, the strength that nourishes us is the, is the strength that comes from bhakti, the inspiration we gain from bhakti, and not from knowledge alone. Knowledge is also there, and it helps, but on the strength of knowledge alone... Even the learned man is struggling. Balavan, Indriyan, Gramo, the senses are so strong. So this is the situation. So therefore, it is bhakti that is the only way. Devotional service is the only way that we are going to rise above lust. And it's the only way that we can actually successfully embrace celibacy. Uh, there are many levels of fall down. Usually, if a sannyasi falls down, it's like with firecrackers and a bang for everyone to see. But there's also the silent fall down, which just shows on the morose faces of people, which is not spoken about, but yet... It shows in the lack of happiness. So we have to be be diligent, not just serious. Serious means rooted in in deep philosophy, but also just applying ourselves with eagerness to serve. Can I, can I do some service? Yes. <laughs> Not like, I'm really sorry, I'd love to do it, but, you know. Oh. I've been the temple commander in Vrindavan at one point, and the, the worst thing about being temple commander in a big temple like that is all the, all the explanations of why they can't do it. It's just, just say no. 
<laughs> Please, no explanation. Just say no. You know, just say no. No is good enough. I really don't need to know, you know, that your that your grandmother is coming and like you know, and that you would love to do it. Of course, you'd love to do it, but you're not going to do it. Please don't tell me all of that. You know, no explanations. Just no. Thank you. Next. No. Also. Okay. Fine. Fine. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Like that. Yes. All right, so now uh, I can. Um, I know the, there's never time in the manor because you have to stop at 8.30, but I also have no time, so therefore I'm just stealing a little time. Um, because it's also Gundicha Marjana today. And uh, the Gundicha Marjana, the cleansing of the Gundicha temple. Um, during Rati Yatra, Lord Jagannath, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, is leaving his temple and goes on his chariot uh, to the Gundicha temple. Nothing related to the Supreme Personality of Godhead is casual. Everything is of the utmost importance. Therefore, the, there has to be, uh, when the Lord goes on a chariot, it's not just any chariot. It has to be an appropriate chariot. And the chariots are pretty impressive in Puri. And they make a new one every year. Yeah, they build a new chariot every year. So that's something. Um, and for the, and after, they, they use it in the, in the kitchen for cooking. <laughs> they burn it up. And those screws in that chariot. And Jagannath's chariot has 16 wheels under it. So it's quite something. Anyway, the Lord goes on his royal chariot to the Gundicha temple. And of course, it, it is cleaned very nicely. Shri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and his associates started to clean the Gundicha temple. Um, Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur wrote an extensive purport in his Anubhasya commentary on Chaitanya Charitamrita on this pastime. In summary, that purport basically describes how the cleansing was going on. All the devotees, a superintendent of the temple arranged for, for paraphernalia, brooms and pots and this and that for cleaning. Then everyone was sweeping. Um, and... Everyone had to collect dirt in, uh, and all the devotees were making little piles of dirt. And Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he made a pile, and his pile, uh, then, then all the little piles of the devotees were put together. And the pile that Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu made alone was bigger than what the devotees uh, altogether did. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu would encourage the devotees and he would chastise a devotee who wouldn't be collecting a lot of dirt, you know, dust and little pieces of wood, etc. Um, after the first round of cleaning, there was a second round of cleaning, which was a more refined cleaning, now going for detailed cleaning and finally... Uh, they they brought pots of water and start washing the whole temple with the pots of water. Um, there was one devotee who, instead of washing the temple, washed the feet of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and drank the water. He's a Bengali, and Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu called Sarup Damodar, who's a Bengali, said, "Your Bengali, look what he did." Sarup Damodar then took him and chastised him. "Ouch, you rascal!" <laughs> Meanwhile, the rascal was. <laughs> uh, now, the uh, two levels of cleaning. Srila Bhakti Siddhanta is explaining that this cleansing of the Gundicha temple also represents the cleansing of the heart. The cleansing of the heart is happening in two stages. Stage one is the gross cleaning. Gross cleaning means to put the proper regulative principles in place and to say to follow the, the, the standards. In our case, four regulative principles and uh, minimum, uh, uh, yeah, 16 <laughs> rounds and, uh, you know, and, uh, yeah, and a few other things, Mongolarty and uh, all those things. Um, yeah. So, the uh, the first part is about that by externally accepting 
the proper behavior of a devotee, with the proper rules, regulations. The second cleansing represents the internal cleaning, and now one has to give up one's gross, uh, gross behavior and actually change and, and begin to ad- really adopt right, uh, an, an attitude, a change of attitude. Now, um, in this whole model of the uh, cleansing of the temple, um, referring to the uh, purification of the heart, um, the central point is the endeavor. See, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was emphasizing the endeavor, encouraging, chastising. Uh, so, here we're speaking about the purification, which is the conscious effort. Uh, there are two as- aspects to purification in Krishna consciousness. The first is known as Anartapasamam Saksad Bhakti Yoga Madhokshaje, that the process of devotional service is automatically purifying the anartas from the heart. The other is the conscious effort. And of course, this is a perennial question that pops up from time to time at the end of a lecture. <laughs> is devotional service a, a, a matter of automatic purification or should we make a conscious effort? No, we should just walk completely blind in our spiritual life and get automatically purified and then one day the light will go on and and it's like, hallelujah, I have seen. (laughs) Of course, right? That's obvious, right? Uh, So it's clear that it is a combination of the two. Yes, sorry for the sarcasm. What can I do? It's like... (laughs) It's a combination of the two. Yeah. A combination of both. The conscious effort and the automatic purification is there and that will strengthen us in that com- conscious effort and that gives us hope. Uh, hope that we can actually do it. Yeah. Yeah. That is the Gundicha Marjana. So, Gundicha Marjana, besides that today we can do something to clean the temple, uh, that would be nice, is also about making that conscious effort. That conscious effort to actually embrace the principles of, of, of Krishna consciousness, starting with celibacy, very seriously, and to understand that we need to strengthen that by being deeply absorbed in devotional service. Service. Srila Prabhupada translated bhakti as devotional service. I'm underlining it today. Highlight, underlined, service. So by that, by becoming absorbed in service, are we going to crack it? Huh? The, you know, as I spoke about the fall downs, it's a topic, big topic, so I'm not going to open it up big time, but, uh, it's there, you know, it's there. I mean, it's a, it is a lengthy topic because it exists in, even in this movement. It's the sort of, uh, the dark uh, night of the soul. <sighs> these moments of despair, these moments where it slips from your grip. Uh, the famous Dugame Patimendasya slipping on the path. Yes, this is there. Right. So, how are we going to deal with it? Well, in a nutshell now, we can give a, a, a whole book of how to deal with it and lengthy discussions, workshops, seminars, a one week retreat, and we're going to talk about, of course, Parsaram in London likes to say, don't retreat, go forward. <laughs> <laughs> There's something to say for that also. Uh, you know, something to say for both. But it's interesting. So too much retreating may also not, not be the right thing. We Service, devotional service, is the key. That is the key uh, to be absorbed in devotional service. Then we'll get the inspiration. Then we can do it. Then we can do it. Otherwise... 
can do it for a while, but how can you do it all the time? <laughs> uh, sorry. Um, <laughs> I've been recording yesterday all day in a studio and I touched the guitar for a moment. I uh, shouldn't do that. <laughs> Okay, I can take a comment or a question. I go basically, okay, let's see. Well, Gorbagwan from Iceland, where they eat more ice cream than anywhere else. <laughs> Hare Krishna. Thank you, Maras, for a very nice class. Uh, I just have a question on this. You talk about the blacksmith's hammer, you know, um, Sankirtan. Yeah, and then uh, Krishna and Gita uses this term, Asanka Shastrina Dritena Chitva, that with the, the, with, the, with the weapon of detachment, one should, the weapon with, of detachment. One should cut down the, the tree of material existence. Yeah. So my question is actually this. Uh, to, to give up sex life, one has to be very determined. But how does one beat... How is one determined without becoming harsh or hard-hearted or, or, or okay. like that? And especially when dealing with juniors, dealing with women. Okay, that. let's not make it too long. You, you went yeah. to the core. Yeah, stick no, to that's the, just the question. Yeah, yeah, let's stick to the core point. Um, yeah, uh, how to... Uh, um, first of all, it's, it's uh, in that approach, we are finding the motivation to be celibate based on knowledge. And that's where we begin. You know, we first need some knowledge. Otherwise, why would we do such a thing? Right? right? Like when I first heard about the, that, that these Hare Krishnas and following these regulative principles, I thought, what's that about? You know what I mean? That sounds so fanatic. My first thought was they were religious fanatics. And I thought, can spiritual life be a little more natural? After all, God created us as we are. <laughs> the 60s. <laughs> you know. Love is beautiful. <laughs> anyway, um, but it wasn't always that beautiful. I could tell stories, but not on the Vyasa today. Um, the point is, knowledge is a thin basis. Therefore, there is a need for inspiration. And, and this is how it goes. So in the beginning, there's some knowledge, but we are still very shaky. We're still very weak. We're sort of situate, trying to situate us in, in the regulative principles. But it may be struggle, it may be difficult, uh, at least mentally it's difficult. As I was in the joint movement, right, uh, my, my life, my inner life was a life of turmoil. One moment I was completely convinced, this is it, this is it, this is what I always wanted. Next moment I was thinking, I've got to get out of here. <laughs> and I was just fluctuating between these two. And this is Bog and Chak. It is recognized in, by Rupa Goswami. And as, this is my Bog of Bog and Chak. Yes, this is, this is what I always wanted. I gotta get out of here. This is what I always wanted. I gotta get out of here. <laughs> you know. Oh God, thousands of times a day. So it was tough. Yeah. Eventually it, it, uh, it settled down. And I, I just, got a lot of service, and that service gradually began to predominate my life. And I got busy with that, so busy that I didn't have time. And, and then these, these questions of, like, this is it, i got to get out of here, kind of went in the background, and the service took over. And, uh, yeah, and it's still like that. I never have time. No time for sex life. It's just no time. I'm too busy. Sorry. <laughs> Haridas Thakur was too busy. Yes, yes, dear prostitute, welcome. Yes, yes, we will enjoy. But first I have to finish my rounds. So, sorry, couldn't finish them.
tomorrow. <laughs> but he never finished his rounds like this. That is, that's where the strength comes, the, ser the service that nourishes the knowledge. Then we can do it. By mercy. Vishwambra has the last word. Uh, must be a comment. <laughs> Who can comment on your beautiful you class? Uh, I, I want to ask you a question in the in the right tone, not to. Right <coughs> um, Ping. <laughs> you. Um, you mentioned that uh, the fall down exists occurs even Oops. in ISKCON. <laughs> um, I mean, I think it was the last, the last class I gave here, and, and I came across something in the uh, fifth canto, the glories of the Ganges. Actually, Prabhupada in the purport, he mentions that uh, practically speaking, there is no sex life in the spiritual world, but even if he sometimes occurs, there is no pregnancy. I mean, Rasa, are you familiar with that? Do you have any comment on that? Um, it's a good thing. <laughs> um, I guess, I'm guessing, I, uh, when we speak about the spiritual world, I can speak about what I've read, and I've read that also, what you're just saying. And then there is something uh, where we are lacking detail. So I'm lacking detail. I haven't read anything further about it. So now there's two types of speculation. There's mental speculation, philosophical speculation. Mental speculation is, is just when we make up our own process or our own goal in spiritual life. Philosophical speculation, mental speculation is manodharm, that is forbidden. But uh, philosophical speculation is about trying to understand how a particular point is true. So all I can offer you is some, and that is allowed within Boundaries. It, is, it can easily turn into mental speculation, so to be careful. So I don't want to take it too far, but obviously everything in the spiritual world uh, uh, is reflected here in the material world in a perverted way. So everything exists in a, uh, in a perfect form. Uh, flies in the material world come back as bees and the bees are buzzing and glorifying Krishna like this. So uh, even if there is sex life in the spiritual world, it is an expression of pure love for Krishna. And, in, and a husband and wife in the spiritual world in, in pure love of Krishna uh, uniting I don't want to put in a whole male-female symbolism and all that you know and go tantric as the Buddhists do I want to stop there because the I'm afraid my philosophical speculation will turn into mental so better your disciple found the quote over there and uh... yeah no we don't want to go there we don't want to go people finding quotes and people trying to open up a can of worms. Pandora's box. Leave it. Because it's ten to nine. <laughs> so if you want me to give a seminar on this topic on one occasion, I owe you one. But I'm not coming back to the material world for that in case in case I get I get out. If I do get out. He doesn't get it. We're turning it off <laughs> because it's the end of the class. And, but I thank you very much for your contribution and put some spice in the mix. <laughs> some, something piquant. <laughs> 
Grazie, grazie. <ride> bravo, bravo. Hare Krishna. Shila Prabhupada, chi jai? Grantara Chima Bhagavatam, chi jai? Gora Bhaktivinda, chi jai? I'm going for... Uh, this I have to reach. Dear devotees, I have a note here about uh, book distribution... There is Srimad Bhagavatam sets are available because the Badra campaign is going till the end of September. Uh, you can become involved in the distribution. You can buy yourself. You can give it to family members who really need a gift. Uh, Antaranga Divya Mana Prabhu are contacts and Vindavan Chandra Prabhu. And you can, in this way, uh, Yes, get this uh, this Bhadra, Purnim opportunity. And you get so many blessings if you take a set for Bhadra Purnim. Uh, there's no limit. Uh, so it's a wonderful thing. And you can read more about it on the internet. Because Vaisheshika Prabhu has posted lots of stuff about it. Thank you very much. Bhadra Purnim Kijat.